Father, we come to you right now. We are pulling our table up to the banqueting table. At the banqueting table, there's a banner over top of us that says you love us. We're going to feast at this table even if the hounds of darkness are raging around us. We're going to feast at this table even if we feel like we're in a wilderness place. Because you furnish a table in the wilderness. And you prepare a table before us even in the presence of our enemies. So Lord, as we pull up to the table, my God, I sent your spirit. We pray the manna from heaven, this word would be rhema in our soul. We thank you. We praise you. Anoint this vessel. May your name receive the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tony. <clears throat> I was praying and pondering over what the Lord would have me to share on the first Sunday, the very first day of the new year, knowing without a doubt and even having it confirmed that the vision for 23 was Revive 23, a special, significant spiritual initiative to bring an outpouring of His Spirit to our church, while in turn bringing about eternal impact upon our town and our county. Anybody know we need a move of God in our town and county? So I asked, what is the Scripture, Lord? What is the message? How can we effectively begin this new year with an urgency for a move of God? Oh, you folks are so kind to bless Sandra and I with gifts and beautiful cards during the Christmas season. But one day, I walked into my office. It was after church on a Sunday morning. It was just before Christmas, and there was a card that sat on my desk. And as I opened the card, the verse of Scripture in the card jumped, leaped into my spirit. The Spirit of God directed me that moment. To that verse and another verse that I will be sharing momentarily that are essential. First, as we begin our seven days of fasting and praying, and second, as we begin our Revive 23 spiritual initiative. Notice first Matthew 5 and verse 16. Matthew 5 and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the words of Jesus. The other verse that came to me was John 14 and 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Also, the words of Jesus. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you about what we pray for, 
and why we pray for it. What we pray for. For sure, we must be people of prayer. I'll say that again. For sure, we must be people of prayer. Much prayer means much power. No prayer means no power. You cannot get around it. If you do not pray, you do not have communion with Jesus. And if you have no communion with Jesus, people have the right to question your relationship with Jesus. Try from this day forward, if you so dare, husbands, and quit talking to your wives. And see how long your status relationship remains. Every day, somewhere, somehow, and at some place, and in some way, you as a child of God have to find time to pray. Mark Batterson was the first one that I read it. But it is a quote that has gotten deep within me. And that it is true. You cannot expect God to answer 100% of prayers that you do not pray. But praise the Lord. There are promises made to children of God that do pray. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. One of the greatest verses on prayer found in the Old Testament is the infamous 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Someone say praise the Lord. Jeremiah 33 and 3. God put it simple as this. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great things which you did not know. Again, Jesus in John 16, 24 said, If you will ask, you shall receive so that your joy may be full. I can go on and on with promises from the Word of God to God's people to simply pray, to ask, to seek, and to find. It is so simple that a child can pray and God will truly answer. I, this testimony was shared with me this week. But as most of you know, Terry and Joel lost their home. But Terry was sharing with me on the phone that at home at the time was just her and her grandson Nate and Miles, the family dog. When the fire broke out and Terry and Nate, their grandson, got out quickly but they couldn't get to miles because of all the smoke. And Terry was telling me on the phone that while young Nate waited, he anxiously prayed. And he said, please, God, help miles to get out. Please, God, help miles to get out. And within a few moments, 
A firefighter walked up to Nate and handed Miles off to Nate. And for a few seconds, Terry said she could hear Nate saying, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for saving Miles. I tell you what today, I don't know why some things happen, but I know God said yes to Nate's prayers. And I want somebody to know today, God wants to say some yeses to your prayers if you will call upon the Lord. The prayers vary from person to person. What to pray for? Let me just name a few. We pray for a family member's salvation. We pray for healing in our body or in the body of someone that we love. We pray for a relationship to be restored. We pray for safety as we travel. We pray for our food and our water and our homes and our cars. We pray for our kids and our grandkids, their education, their sports, their careers, their future, their spouses. We pray for our finances and our jobs. We pray for situations that we placed ourselves in and we pray for situations that came about through no fault or no choice of our own. We pray for our ministry, our calling, our purpose on the earth. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our friends. We pray for the Holy Ghost, for a greater anointing to be used in the operations and the gifts of the Spirit. The list goes on and I have not begun to scratch the surface of all of the things of what we pray for. We would be surprised today, though, and there could be some sitting among us that will ask for prayer from someone else, but they have no prayer life themselves. Something is wrong with that. If you come up to your brother, your sister, your pastor, and say, please help me pray about uh, something, and yet you haven't even called on the Lord for the need Oh, dear Lord, I'm getting myself in trouble already. God, help us. It's going to be a new year. There's not only going to be a revival of new souls that are going to go from death to life and from darkness to light, but somebody is going to have a revival in their prayer life. Their prayer life has been nothing but embers. There's been nothing going on, but something's going to get in your spirit today, and you're going to do like Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that was in you, that was given to you by the laying on of hands, and not only is the fire are going to start kindling upon the altar of your soul, but you're going to see God move in 23 like you have never seen him move in your life. Somebody give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. What we pray for is essential. And I'm going to tell you again, God won't answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. But I want to tell you something. There's something that is equally or even more important. Not only what we pray for, but why we pray for it. You see, part of prayer is not just God giving to you, but it's God growing in you. Mm. <laughs> too, too many have treated God like a spiritual vending machine. Drop off your spiritual quarters, swipe your divine debit card, 
and punch your M-E hashtag one and expect God's just going to dump it out to you just like you want it. <laughs> it's just going to drop down just like you requested. But the motives behind your praying is equally important to even what you're asking God for. And friend, you are incorrect if you believe you can do the right things and have wrong motives and it carries no weight. God don't work that way. Hmm. I noticed a progression in the words of Jesus when I was looking at the scripture this week. In Matthew 7 and 7, he said, ask and it shall be given you. And then I looked over in John 16, 24, and it, Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. So, asking it shall be given you. Asking you shall receive, that your joy may be full. And, and those are great. But the temptation to stop there leads to consumption when there is something much greater for a motive. And I found that in John 14, 13. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is the zenith for the child of God. John 14, 13. That's the zenith for the child of God. Oh, praise God. My needs are great. That's, 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 that's awesome. They're met. That's great. Oh, my joy is full because my needs are met. That's even better. All because I asked of the Lord. But the greatest of all, I asked and I received and Jesus Christ received all the glory and the honor through the answered prayers. When you get to a place that you're living your life and you're praying your prayers and you're existing on this earth, not for any attention for yourself, but that all glory will belong to the Lord, then you can prepare yourself because God's getting ready to do some things that will blow your mind. Mm. You see? When we ask of the Father in the name of Jesus, we ask what Jesus would ask. We ask what would please Jesus, what would bring him glory by furthering his work and his influence upon the earth. The truth of the matter is, we were created for one thing. It was not to please your spouse or to raise children or to have a successful career. You were created for one reason. And that was to glorify your creator. Mm. It's all about the glory of God. We should not want the prayer to be answered unless, first and foremost, it brings praise and adoration and attention to the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let me give you an example. Praying for your son or daughter's salvation. We'll use that as one. There's a lot of motives for praying for your son or daughter's salvation. Jesus saved them so they don't go to hell. Jesus saved them so they live a better life without addictions and enslavements. Jesus saved them so you can finally give up sleepless nights. Hello? Parents out here know what I'm talking about. Jesus saved them so they go to heaven. 
Jesus saved them so their children and their grandchildren and their spouses will all ultimately and eventually serve Jesus as they do. These are all noble motives. There's nothing wrong with the motives, but they cannot be the primary motive. The primary motive behind you praying for your son's salvation is not so your son will not go to hell. Your primary motive for praying for your son's salvation is that people around you will share boldly and powerfully once he gets saved that the grace of God and the mercy of God has been extended to him and Jesus Christ will receive all of the glory and the honor and the praise. The scripture says he's able to save to the uttermost. Oh, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how deep your daughter is in her addictions or how deep your son is in his enslavement. The fact of the matter is the Lord's arm is long enough to reach them where they are so you continue to pray you continue to call out to God but you do it for the right reason and the right reason is God I want you to get all the glory through the salvation of my son or daughter that's Bible someone's going to get this it may be only one of you it may be a hundred of you Somebody's going to get this today. Somebody's, someone's going to see Jesus do some great things this year that's going to leave their eyes wide open and their jaws dropped in amazement. Some of you are going to raise hands in 23 in church and you never raised hands before. Some of you are going to shout in 23 and you ain't never shouted before. Some of you are going to start dancing in your feet. And you ain't never danced except on a tabletop under the world's alcohol. But you're going to get hold of the new wine of the Holy Ghost in 23. Because God has answered prayers in your life. And you've prayed for his glory. And it's going to have an effect on you. It will happen. I prophesy it. I predict it. I claim it in the name of Jesus. It will happen because you prayed like you have never prayed before. And that you prayed with the right motive. And you have deflected glory away from you. And Jesus is getting all the attention and the accolades. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You don't have a measuring cup for how much glory you're supposed to give to God. Psalms 29 and 2, give God the glory due to his name. Who tells us how much that is? Who's in charge of the glory quotient? Let me tell you how the safest way to do it. is to not give him glory 23 hours and 59 minutes a day. But to give him glory 24 hours a day every day of the year for everything. First Corinthians 10.31 Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. 
your glass of tea to the glory of God with sugar. Not with that pink stuff. That stuff just don't cut the mustard. That meal you eat to the glory of God. Shame on you if you don't pray over your food. You didn't get your food. God gave you your food. You didn't earn your food. God gave you your food. But if we're supposed to give glory to God for our sweet tea and our ribeye that I'm going to have at the restaurant later on this afternoon... then we ought to live to the glory of God. Now, that's going to change some of your places that you go, some of the friends you hang out with, some of the habits you're involved with. It's going to change some things that you do. But things are changing. Warren Wiersbe wrote and said, Any request that does not glorify God's name should not be asked in His name. Well, well, Pastor, doesn't James 4 and verse 2 tell us that we have not because we ask not? Yes, it does. But don't take the scripture out of context. Read it further. Because verse 3 says, you have not, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss or with the wrong motives so that you may consume it upon your own lust. New Living Translation says it like this. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Things have got to change. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you right there. This is such a significant, significant word for us to get in our spirit. There are all over this place and watching online, you're desperate for miracles from God. But God is challenging your motives today. You don't stop praying for what you're praying for. You just change the motive behind your prayers. Oh, how I wish I'd have learned this so much earlier in my Christian walk. Let me just be transparent here. I start just about every day when, when I go to pray in, in confession and repentance. It's pretty simple why I do that. According to Scripture, if you have sin in your heart, your prayer's not going to get through anyway. That's word. So I always start my, my prayer time in confession and repentance. And the first two things I deal with are, are sin and, and idols. Okay? But I get to number three, and I, I start to deal with the motives behind what I do. I repent over selfish motives. That longing for adulation, that a, that excessive flattery of others, praise and recognition, attention that takes glory from the Lord. Now, I know we're all human, and we all desire affirmation and acceptance, but when we begin to lust for it and we're motivated to receive it out of a desire of our flesh, then we have stolen glory that belongs to the Lord. We must live 
and exist and trust and pray for the glory of the name of Jesus. Jonathan Edwards, the great evangelist of England in years past, he said, I resolve first that all men should live for the glory of God. I resolve second that whether others do or not, I will. Too many are giving away their glory. They're giving away their eternal rewards. Heap up all the praise for that that belongs to God. You'll be able to find yourself with wood, hay, and stubble for rewards when you get to glory. Y'all still there? Y'all still Pentecostal? Don't go Baptist on me now. Don't go Methodist on me now. But someone's going to get it. I sense it in my spirit. I'll say it again. From this day forward, you're going to pray and your motivation is going to be for the glory of God. Do not object to be seen. Just don't wish to be seen. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. Men are going to see your works. That's not the challenge. You're supposed to be doing works for the Lord, but are they going to give glory to God when they see your works? I, I, I say this because there's too many superstars in the church at large. Somebody was reminding me the other day about a well-known pastor that now you have to pay to come into church. Something's not right, folks. Works are to be seen, not ourself. Works are to be seen and not heard. The light is ours, <laughs> but the glory is the Father's. I came across this this week, and I was... somewhat of a fan back in my younger days. Jordan, you'll like this story. It's about Oral Hershiser. It was 1988. He was pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers. They had just won the World Series. And Oral Hershiser had been named the most valuable player. I knew at that time he was a Christian. One of the TV shows about the series showed Oral Hershiser in the dugout before the ninth inning started. He was leaning against the wall, and his lips were moving. So a little while later, he was a guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson asked him, what were you, what were you saying? Oral responded, I wasn't saying anything. Well, then tell us what you were doing in the dugout before the ninth inning. He replied, I was singing. Johnny said, you were singing? I didn't know you sang. He said, let's hear what you were singing. Oral said, nah, I don't want to. And the audience began to clap and say, yes, let's hear it. Woohoo!" And finally, Oral Hershiser started to sing, praise God from whom? 
All blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Right there on the Johnny Carson Show. Johnny Carson was speechless. The whole audience was dead silent. Then a person in the audience, they started clapping. Soon the whole audience joined in applause. But Oral Hershiser said this, this was my way of saying the only reason I'm a most valuable player is because he's a most valuable God. He said, you're the one that gave me my ability. You're the reason why my life has been so blessed, and I respect you, and I love you. That's what it's all about. Some of you have been begging God for a miracle to take place, and you have scratched your head as to why it hasn't happened. First, I want to remind you again that some mountains are not moved without prayer and fasting, and you are handed this moment, this week, to draw close to God and cry out to Him for a miracle through fasting and praying. But second, don't forget the motive behind your prayer. Not just what you pray for, but why you pray for it. Listen to this testimony. Jones in the Pulaski Church of God. Good morning. My name is Colleen Geyer. I live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm married to John, and we have two miracle children, as I like to call them, Noah and Addison. And this morning, I'm going to share with you a little bit about our faith journey to our family and how the Lord placed our family together. And this particular story is called, um, I like to refer to it as a glory story. It was in the late 1990s, and Johnny and I um, had started to pray for children. Never could we have imagined that that prayer would take seven years. Seven years of failures, setbacks, uncertainties, tears, more tears, more failures, more setbacks. And um, we had, uh, I had had surgeries to see if there was anything wrong with me. We had gone down the road in fertility treatments. We have um, also have had... Um, a few field adoptions in the process as well. It was uh, it was quite the uh, journey, but God had such a bigger bigger plan in mind. So one day, we were now moving into the early 2000s. Pastor Jones called me to share that the Lord impressed on him a particular scripture for me to have, and that scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31, and that states: So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Well, I have to tell you, when he first gave that to me, I was a little stumped. Um, not that I wasn't impressed because it was scripture, but I don't know what I was expecting, but I certainly wasn't expecting that, though I do like food. I also actually have the paper from that day as well, where I doodled little notes that the pastor was sharing with me, some of his wisdom, and I wrote a few things down. But I was really stumped with this particular scripture. But obviously, it had such strong meaning that I that he was given to give it to me. So time would go on, 
And now it was 2005, and John and I received the call that we would be blessed with a son through the gift of adoption. We received our Noah in March of 2005, and at one of my baby showers, I had quite a few, but at one of them, a dear friend of mine, um, her name, uh, her name Renee, had come up to me and stated that she has a special gift, one that's fragile, and if I could please open it, because she was afraid it was going to get broken. Well, just a few weeks earlier, I had provided Renee through the mail a few pictures of Noah as a baby, because back in those days, that's what you did. There were no cell phones to send photos through. And Renee took one of those images that I had sent her, and there was a gentleman that she worked with, and this is out of state. This isn't even in this area here in Virginia. And her coworker said that he can draw that picture of Noah as a baby. So that was my gift. And here is the picture. And I know this phone is not doing this justice. But what makes this so amazing, is just isn't any picture. It would actually, we would receive this at the baby shower, and I didn't notice it that day. It would take probably about a month, I would think, or so later, before I actually noticed down here, on Noah's sleeve in this area right here, is the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. The Lord is so faithful. This picture is just a remarkable reminder of his faithfulness. From that day when Pastor Jones gave me that scripture, to this day when I received this picture, that this man that I don't even know from another state, who my friend can't even recall his name, quite honestly, would draw that picture and put that scripture and also explain what the name Noah means. Peaceful, restful, and quiet. And if anyone knew our son, that's a great way to describe him as well. So no matter what you're going through, whether it's praying for children, praying for a loved one, any situation, this can pertain to it, that our God is faithful. Keep your eyes on him. Allow others to go in the journey with you as Pastor Jones and Sister Jones did. And at the end, when it all comes to pass, may God receive the glory. Thank you so much, Pastor, for allowing me to share. And God bless all of you at Pulaski Church of God. Thank you. So on the right, after several failed adoptions, that's Noah now. He's 17. And the doctor that told John and Colleen they would never have a child of their own, after they adopted Noah, she got pregnant with Addie. Has a 17 and a 50-year-old, 15-year-old, beautiful kids. Tony, come to the keys if you would. Today we launch Revive 23. Today, tomorrow we begin seven days of intense fasting and praying. I'm going to ask you in just a few moments to come with your needs. And I may or may not get an opportunity to come by and lay hands on you according to scripture. But what I do, what I do believe that God wants us to do is not only come to pray for the miracle, 
but to give God the glory for the answered prayer. God wants us to keep the main thing the main thing today. Not only today, this is something I pray that lodges within our spirit. That when we're praying in our homes, we're praying with our spouses, we're praying with our children, that the motivation behind our prayer is to exalt the name of Jesus and to give glory to Almighty God. So I don't know what need you have. All over this room, there are people desperate for miracles. We're going to enter into a week of fasting and praying. But I really sense this in my spirit. That we need to come. We need to share our need. And we need to make sure that we declare what you do for me in this miracle. I'm going to give glory and honor to you. Who will be the first to get up? All over this place, would you stand to your feet? If you need a miracle, move from where you are quickly. Quickly. It's not just what you're praying for, but the motive behind it. Come on. Come on. Begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to give Him the glory for the miracle. God, we're giving you the glory for the miracle. My family needs healing. I've given you the glory for the healing that's coming this year. My body needs healing. I'm giving you the glory. I'm just going to give it to you today. If you can, would you just lift both hands to the Lord right now? Come on, all over this place. All over this place for your glory. For your glory. For your glory. Asking you shall receive that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's our motive. That's our motive. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on, lift him up. Come on, lift him up. Lift him up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the Holy Spirit is in this place. The Holy Spirit is in this place. 